Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us on this Good Shepherd Sunday. So do you remember those old fancy feast cat food commercials where you'd see these mouth-watering chunks of chicken and beef simmering in the savory gravy, and they would pour it out into this crystal goblet where the cats would come and eat from? And as I'd be sitting there eating my microwaved uh, hot dog, watching this commercial, I'd be thinking, man, I wish I was a cat. This looks absolutely amazing. And people that do that for their cats and buy such expensive food really demonstrate a profound love for their animals. And in the same way as for humans, love and food often go very closely together. For example, think about how much time and energy it takes to make a Thanksgiving feast. That's a way in which your grandmother shows you your, her, her love for you. Or maybe you go over to someone's house and they make you your favorite dessert or a filet mignon steak, or maybe they open a $300 bottle of wine. All of these things are ways in which people can non-verbally show the depths of their love for you, that they cherish you, that they value you. And so when we consider Christ the Good Shepherd, and we are his sheep, with what does he feed us? Does he feed us with straw and hay? Does he feed us with kibble? Does he feed us with leftovers? No, he feeds us with his very body and blood to show us the depths of his love for us. Not a sign or a symbol, but the very flesh and blood of our God. In fact, St. John Vianney said that if God could have given us something more valuable than the Eucharist, he would have. But as it is, there's nothing more valuable in the universe than Christ's true body and blood. You know, in many cathedrals and older churches, carved into the high altar is an image of a pelican. You may say, well, why a pelican? Pelicans are just these weird-looking birds with funky beaks. But the ancient medievals believed that during a time of famine, when there was no food in the land, the pelican would pierce its own chest with its beak to draw blood so that their their young, their children, their, their young birds, could feed from the blood flowing from the open heart of the pelican. Now, I know that sounds a little disgusting, but the truth is that's what Christ does for us, that as he's hanging on the cross, his heart was pierced open, and from his open sacred heart flowed out blood and water, symbols of baptism and the Eucharist, the two sacraments that constitute the church. And so we really do drink and quench our thirst from the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. So what's our, all our takeaway in this, if we really believe that the Eucharist is the flesh and blood of Christ? Well, first, that we need to hunger for him. Have you ever had that experience where you come home from a long day of school or work and you're just ravenous? And so you go into your kitchen and you grab some Doritos or you grab some Oreos or a soda. And then after you eat it, you just kind of feel like, oh, why did I do that? You know, because even though we had a hunger, it was really a hunger for a salad or a steak, something substantive, and yet we filled it with quick junk food, which tided us over for a short time, but ultimately made us feel miserable. And that's really the same way in our relationship with God, right? We have this deep hunger for love, hunger for meaning, hunger for God. But so often we're willing to settle for the cheap junk food of this world. Things like money, things like getting the next sports trophy or getting an A on the test or promoted at work or, you know, making sure that uh, we're the most popular kid in school or making sure that, you know, we have lots of friends on Instagram and lots of likes. These are the things we try to fill that fundamental hunger with. But like the junk food, it's going to make us feel sick. It's going to make us miserable because it doesn't fulfill what we truly yearn for, which is an intimate union with Christ. Have you ever had that experience where you walk out of church and think, man, I'm really glad I went. That was good. 
You probably have. Because all of us have, deep within ourselves, a desire for God and a desire for worship. And so we have to remember when we feel that ache, that hunger, that loneliness, that longing, that what we're really looking for is God. But the other takeaway, I think, from the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is that we have to treat the Eucharist like it's God. Remember, it's not an it. It's a who. It's a person. It's no longer a thing. It's Jesus Christ himself. The second takeaway, then, should be our love and respect for the Holy Eucharist. Remember, it's not an it. It's a him. It's not a thing. It's a person. It's not a what. It's a who. You know, a symbol of Christ's body wouldn't mean very much. If I were to give you a picture of a steak and say, here, you know, I made this for you, you'd say, well, okay, but can you give me the real thing? That's what I'm really hungry for. And so in the same way, if Christ had only given us just a symbol of his body, it wouldn't mean that much. We would say, well, can I have the real thing? That's really what I'm hungry for. And so we come to the Eucharist recognizing who it is that we receive. We prepare souls through the sacrament of confession. We dress nicely and arrive early at church. We kneel or you know, receive on the tongue if we possibly can because we recognize that this is the Son of God and so we treat him like it's God himself. So I started off this homily with a story of a cat. Now I want to end with the story of a donkey. So back in the 1300s, St. Anthony of Padua was a great Franciscan priest who traveled around the country of Italy trying to set hearts ablaze with love for Christ. Yes, Italy was Catholic, but there was a lot of lukewarmness going on, and a lot of people didn't know or believe in their faith. In one particular town, St. Anthony was preaching about the Eucharist, and on the other side of the town square was a man who started scoffing, and he said, "Ah, I don't believe all of that. This is just hogwash. It's just a symbol. It's kind of meaningless. So St. Anthony said, excuse me, sir. I know you don't believe, but would you be willing to do a test? And the man said, well, what sort of test? And St. Anthony said, well, here's what you do. If you can just, uh, you have a donkey, right? You're a farmer. And the man said, yes. And he said, okay, don't give your donkey any food or water for three days and bring him back to the town square. And the man thought it was a little bit odd, but he was willing to go along with it. So three days later, he showed up with a very hungry and thirsty donkey. And on one side of the town square, St. Anthony had put some hay and some water. And on the other side, He was standing there holding the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, in a golden vessel called a ciborium. And St. Anthony instructed the man, All right, let your donkey go. See See where he ends up. And so the donkey first wandered over to the hay in the water and he sniffed it, but he didn't eat or drink. Rather, he came over to Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and knelt down on his donkey knees and bowed his head to his Creator. And St. Anthony famously said to the man, If this dumb beast could recognize that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, why can't you? And the man was immediately converted on the spot. My friends, on this Good Shepherd Sunday, we remember Christ the Good Shepherd who feeds his flock because he loves us. And he doesn't feed us with cheap leftovers. Rather, he gives us the most valuable thing that he could ever give us, his life in the flesh and blood that we receive hidden under sacramental signs in the Eucharist. (laughs) 